welcome to the award-winning show, Holding Down the Fort, brought to you by U.S. Vet Wealth. A podcast show that focuses on sustaining a fulfilling, a purposeful military life through conversation and community building. I'm Jen Amos, a Gold Star daughter, veteran spouse, and creator of Holding Down the Fort. And I'm Jenny Lynn Stroop, a seasoned military spouse, mom of two boys, and your co-host. Together, we'll converse with special guests from the military community and for the community to share knowledge, resources, and relevant stories on how we can best hold down the fort for ourselves and our loved ones. Now let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of the award-winning podcast show, Holding Down the Fort. I am your creator and co-host, Jen Amos. And of course, as always, I have my amazing co-host with me, Jenny Lynn Stroop. Jenny Lynn, welcome back. Hey, glad to be here today. Thanks. Happy to be here. <laughs> yeah. going to say haven't... it twice. I'm so happy to be here. It's yes, yes. Yeah, because y'all, y'all missed out. We had a really fun, like, offline conversation before. And I was like, oh my gosh, we're 15 minutes in. We got a short time. We should probably start recording. But anyway, with that being said, we are really excited because we have another incredible new guest on our show. Let me go ahead and introduce her. She is Jayla Ray Ardeline, and Jayla Ray is a mill spouse mentor, speaker, and writer who is a stepmom to four, a dog mom of two rebunctious dachshunds, and hopefully a homeowner of a cottage in Iceland one day. Also, she is the host of the new podcast show, The Heart of a Mill Spouse Podcast. So without further ado, Jayla Ray, welcome to the show. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yes, yes, for sure. And we have to specify to our audience that Jayla Ray is your first name. We often talk about how Jenny Lynn has two first names and how people often get it wrong and we have to like edit that out <laughs> on the show. So today we have two people who have two first names, Jayla Ray and Jenny Lynn. <laughs> we can just connect over this for the rest of our lives. This Back. is cool. Yeah. How many times you get to tell people that it's actually both all the time? <laughs> Anytime, every time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, let's go ahead and jump right into it, Jayla Ray. For people that are getting to know you for the first time, give us a snapshot of your life right now. What is it like for you to be holding down the fort today? Oh, goodness. So, right now, I'm currently in San Antonio, Texas, and my husband is deployed. So, the entirety of my life right now, I feel like is centered around the fact that he is deployed and I'm just trying to figure out how to get through this. At the time that this interview comes out, I'll probably be further along in that journey, but this deployment is a year long. Right now I'm about in month four, so not quite halfway and I'm kind of in a pit. So I I don't know any other way to describe that. I've heard other military spouses describe it that way as well. So in order to really hold down my own fort, because my stepchildren do not live with us, so I am alone a lot of the time, I'm just trying to find pockets of time where I really spend intentional time taking care of myself, which unfortunately, when you are experiencing situational depression, that is the opposite of what you want to do. (laughs) So it's been quite a challenge, but I'm making it through. Yeah. And I have to just start by commending you for showing up anyway, because as we were talking about offline, it is easier to talk about like the tips and tricks of deployment after it's already been done. 
but here you are showing up, you know, having shared with us offline all the things that you had to personally go through already and just this week, you know, to be able to show up today. So I just want to commend you first and foremost for being able to show up as you are. Jenny Lynn, any initial thoughts? Oh man, I heard Jayla Ray describe deployment as a pit and it's funny. I thought of mine more as a wall. I like did well, did well, did well, let's let's really let's roll that back. It wasn't awesome. I <laughs> I had a toddler and a newborn one month into deployment. And so I don't know if well is the word I should use there, but it was like I put one foot in front of the other and one foot in front of the other until I didn't. And like I got to this place, it was Thanksgiving, like I can still I know where I was standing in my parents' house. I know what outside the window looked like. I know every feeling that I felt. And it was just this like, I'm done. I'm done. I did it this long. I can't do it anymore. I don't know what I'm going to do for the you know last month of this, but I'm done. And I... I checked out and it, like I said, it was Thanksgiving day and it was like, we'd done all the fun things and I had shown up and I'd fed my baby and my toddler and had real conversations with real adults and still just felt this like, oh yeah, this sucks. Like I'm out, I'm done. And the next day I remember like my sister was in town and I remember looking at my mom and my sister and I was like, can you guys have the voice? And they were kind of like, yeah. And I was like, I have to leave. And I just went out like i went to the mall it was black friday and i think of it as a real black friday like it was a, not a hot day <laughs> and like it was just i mean i did i i left you know my infant and my toddler with my mom and my sister who are wonderful people and also i was like i don't have the capacity to do this today and i drove to the mall and i wandered around and wandered some more and just like to this day can remember just that feeling of like, oh, this just got really, really hard. Like I thought it was hard all along, but for whatever reason, today is the day that it like felt terrible and I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. Oh, Jenny Lynn. <laughs> so sorry. That sounds so tough. And I, I love that you're describing it as like a wall. It does not feel that way for me. It does feel like a pit, but I think one of the cool things that we can bring from this conversation is that deployment sucks no matter what, and it does feel differently per person, but the underlying emotion and like just feeling of, I don't want to do this anymore. It doesn't matter how you describe it. That's what it is. It's just, I don't want to do this anymore. I have to do this. I have to figure it out but I don't want to do this anymore. And I literally just said that on the phone to my husband yesterday, crying of like, I don't want to do this anymore. And there's nothing to be done. We have to do it. So. Yeah. I think that's what felt like when I think about it now, I mean, that was 10 years ago, my son's 10 now, but like, when I think about that, like it was hard enough to get there. And then the hardest part was like the shame I felt that like I should be able to do it better. Like I made it this far. Why can't I go tomorrow too? You know, and that's something I've really wrestled with a lot. Like as we've continued on as a military family, I mean, for one, we did a deployment right after that one ended, which was equally as awesome. Actually, it wasn't, it was terrible. <laughs> It was actually worse than the first one for multiple reasons. But, you know, I think I am grateful now, like 10 years after that, that there is so much more talk about like taking care of yourself and mental health and support and community because I had a great one. I mean, I was living with my parents. I had great 
like Navy family. And also like in that moment, I could access none of it. But yeah. when I needed to, like they were there and I'm glad that's such a more of the conversation these days is like, no, like text, call, email, whatever, you know, Facebook message, put something out there so that, because chances are like, there's somebody else that also feels that way at that exact same moment that's gonna both commiserate and empathize without like bringing you down. You're both gonna be able to sit comfortably uncomfortable in the misery of the, of the day, you know, and I'm glad that we have made like strides as a community to really push that community piece of this. Like this is a team sport. Yeah. Can I pick out just a piece of what you said? Because I was really struggling with that yesterday. I was like, I don't want to talk to anyone because I don't want to bring them down, but that's why it's so important to talk to someone who is in your situation because there is no bringing that person down. They're already there with you. Like they're already (laughs) there right alongside you. So there is no down for them to go essentially. And I struggled with that just yesterday. I was like, oh, well, I don't want to talk to my best friend who isn't in military life and she does her best to support me and is so empathetic, but I don't feel like I can do that at this time. I could reach out to other military spouses in this Facebook group that I really like just to say I'm having a really hard day or someone in my DMs that I know is also currently experiencing a deployment. Like it's so important to take that step and yet we do want to resist that And I just want to normalize that. It is 100% normal to feel like I don't want to reach out to this person because I don't want to bring their energy down. But what's really going on underneath there too is an inability to receive support and feeling like you are not deserving of receiving support because you are quote unquote failing in this moment. And it's such a mind boggling (laughs) moment because it feels like it lasts forever. (laughs) Like it just feels like it's continuing on forever and ever. But yeah, just as Jenny Lynn said, like there are a community of people who understand this, but it is important to reach out to those who are currently doing this (laughs) just so that you're on the same page. Yeah. I'm, I'm just hearing you both talk. And I think about even my own experience as a military child for the first decade of my life and how essentially I had learned to be self-sufficient. I had to learn to kind of like be my own ally and support myself emotionally and et cetera, et cetera, because, you know, dad was always gone and mom was, you know, trying to provide and doing the best that she could. And I think that, you know, as time goes on, we sort of have to learn that, yes, it's good to be self-sufficient, but it also is good to lean against people. Like you have to find that balance. And yes, we have that spirit of wanting to be of service to other people, but we do a disservice if we don't ask for that in return. And so to kind of find that balance, I think is an everyday challenge, I think for many of us and even myself, but also part of what allows me to want to ask people for help is knowing that some people actually appreciate when you ask them for help. Like, I love it when my friends confide in me. Like, I love it. I love it when they're like, I've been afraid to tell this to someone for a while, but if you don't mind me sharing it with you, like, I love that, you know? And I think just knowing that there is a community like that, especially in the military, that wants to be that person, I think in a way, hopefully makes it a little bit easier to know that you can lean against community. You can be self-sufficient and you can lean against community. Well, you made a good point. I mean, it's a learned behavior. Like you said, it's one thing to be self-sufficient. It's another thing to learn to like, you know, I am the mom of two military kids who resist at almost every pass. Like the fact that we live in an area where there are lots of other military kids, like it can feel so isolating. And also like 
this is such a learned behavior that takes a lot of practice. So like if you happen to be feeling in the pit today or hitting your wall and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't do anything with this. Like that day that I left and wandered around the mall, I ended my day going to a 12 step meeting. And that is really the place where I learned how to do this well, not in particular that night, but just over the 13 years that I've been in the program. Like I walked in the room that night and everybody knew something was wrong. And nobody said, oh, you poor thing. Like, oh, you know, there wasn't this like exudence of like, oh, you shouldn't or oh my gosh, what's wrong? It was a place where I just got to sit and be whatever I was being at the time and receive the support of just being in the room with other people. I mean, I was living in Hampton Roads at the time. So there were lots of like former (laughs) Navy folks in there who like I walked in, they knew Matthew was deployed and they were like, oh, it's been a rough day. Oh, it's been a rough week. And just let me sit with it. But I mean, that's a learned behavior. And I learned it like in those rooms because they force you to be comfortable with your uncomfortable story. But it is one of the things I'm most grateful for having been a military spouse now for 12 years is like, I had a place where I got to practice all of that. So when military life got hard, you know, I knew I at least had the tools to draw from, not that I always use them, but like, I at least had that like toolbox to go, oh yeah, there are people out there that will like sit with you in uncomfortableness. Oh, there are people that can like meet this need or that need, or, you know, just send you a text saying, Hey, thinking about you or whatever it is. Yeah. Word. Yeah. Well, this is about asking for help. And I think what gets complicated and a little bit blurry is that when we mill spouse entrepreneurs are building a business to support other military spouses, when we ourselves are going through a hard time, like a really hard time, it then becomes even more difficult to show up for our people, for our audience. And that's also a lot of pressure that we're essentially putting on ourselves of like, you need to show up, you need to be consistent. But I think it's important to remember that if you're hearing this and you're also in that situation, maybe it's not related to deployment. Maybe it's related to another really difficult aspect of military life, whether that's PCSing or or something else. I think it's important to remember that like asking for support from another military spouse or someone else inside of this community does not mean that you are failing to support your own community. It just means that you are enacting the same set of advice that you would give a military spouse as well. It's not a reflection of you not having it together or of you not being strong enough. It's the opposite of that. It's using your strength to say, I still want to support y'all and I need my own level of support. And I think that's where I'm at right now, because even though I just eloquently described that, I still don't 100% believe it. I just need to keep saying it over and over again and remembering and reminding myself of it so that when these really hard days come, I know where to go. I know where to turn. And I know that it's okay for me to do that. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, just two thoughts, like first and foremost, you know, Jenny Lynn, just thank you for sharing the mall story with us, because I think that's the first time you shared it on the show. And I know that you're always transparent about your life with us, but I know that you have to get to a place to be able to share that, to be transparent with that, you know? So I just want to continue to thank you and acknowledge you for just, you know, being as open as you are on the show. And, you know, Jayla Ray, again, just thank you for being with us and being in the trenches right now. And it's true. It's like, just because you create this community for other people. And we were saying this in our last conversation, like, you know, that you've built a healthy community. If what you're giving out 
like you get it back in return. You know, that it's reciprocal, right? It's not just you being self-sacrificing and being like, oh, this is for you all, you know, like you do have to get that back in return. And so I think it's great that you're kind of in this space right now. And even if you don't feel it and you don't believe it, you know, like logically, you got to kind of train yourself to get to that space to feel like you can, you know, ask for help. You know, speaking of which, you know, during this time while you've been in the trenches, Jayla Ray, you have been inspired <laughs> to, to start a podcast. So your yeah. podcast show is called The Heart of the Mill Spouse. Tell us a little bit about it and sort of what compelled you to start the show. Yeah, thank you. I've been wanting to start a podcast for a couple years now, even before I became an entrepreneur who was centering my work on supporting military spouses. Even before that, I was like, I want to do a podcast. I just don't know what to do it about. And in this case, I just decided that I was going to start with a deployment series and I wanted to chronicle the entire deployment journey. Because what Jen said at the beginning of the conversation was that there is a lot of in hindsight advice out there that could be helpful, but I haven't seen a lot of chronicling the entire thing to help you through the really tough moments when other people are in those tough moments too. So the podcast sort of started as a creative pursuit in the month before he deployed. And it really kept me grounded a little bit more because I had something creative that I was using as an outlet. And since then, since it has released, now I, of course, plan to do other series. I am a mentor like within the personal development space. So that's what the podcast will aim at eventually. But for right now, I'm just kind of chronicling the journey and engaging with those who are currently experiencing a deployment as well, or know that one is coming up and would like additional support at this time. So, you know, what I think will be really cool is that like, and this is how I often feel when I re-listen to old podcast shows that I've done is like, it's one thing to experience and actually do the show, but then to re-listen to it again and be like, wow, like you could really feel how you were, you know, what you were going through at that time. It's like reading like an old journal entry. And maybe at the time you didn't know exactly what you're writing. But when you look back, you're like, man, I was really going through a hard time at that time. I think one, it's like therapeutic for you to just unload on your own show. And then two, to eventually come back and, you know, one, like reflect, but two, use that as lessons that you can share to other spouses that you want to help. Yeah. And I think there have been a couple episodes where it is literally just me unloading, telling a story. Um, Hopefully people find a nugget of wisdom in there. I may not like express that. And then there are other episodes where I do have like very practical tips. Like this is what I incorporated this month or this week during deployment that really supported me. And it might support you too, or you can just throw it away because it doesn't help and you'll try something else. You know, there's never a pressure of you have to do what I say. (laughs) But yeah, so it's been quite the experience to kind of chronicle everything. And as a writer to do a different type of chronicling has been really fun to just talk into a microphone and film or record an episode versus trying to write all of this out. I think it'll help me later to then, you know, get those transcriptions and then turn this into a piece of written content as well, which was really, I don't know if anyone needs that tip, but it's a tip. (laughs) I mean, there's definitely a lot of podcasters who recreate their content into a book. You know, like Tim Ferriss is a big example of that. Like he just took all of his shows and everyone he's interviewed and put all those tips in the book. And so I I definitely, you know, can see that. And that's definitely something that I, you know, I intend on doing as well in my own way. Oh man, you were talking about like rereading your journal and going, Ooh, yeah. Like you guys saw me make a face. Our listeners didn't (laughs) see me make a face, but like, I mean, I have been 
actively working on telling my story of dealing with like our post back to back deployment family life for a couple of years now. And during the time when I was working on it the most, one of the things I did was go back and read my journals because I journaled on that was the only place I had an outlet. We were living in an area where we were one of one military families. And so there wasn't anybody else like next door down the street that I could go, hey, life in my house sucks. And so I wrote it all down and I went back and read those and thought, oh my gosh, like that one, it verified the hard that I thought was there. Also, it was a little bit harder to read than I imagined. And I really like, I had to make sure when I was doing that to like, really make sure I had something in place for the real, like it was not something I could do for eight hours a day is like my writing day because it was very intense. Um, but it was also really good because I got to go and you're not there today. Like, and you don't live in this space anymore. And to see like the growth, not only in myself, but in my family and my marriage as a whole, like that has been extraordinarily helpful in addition to making the face, I also chuckled a little bit because I've had this real push pull as a writer of like, well, now I have a real job that, you know, <laughs> a real job <laughs> that, that pays me to do things for them. And I do this podcast and I, you know, I write articles here and there like freelance. And so I haven't written on my own story, gosh, probably in almost two years because I've been doing all these other things. And for a while I wrestled with like feeling a little bit like what like what were you doing like why did you think it was so important to now have it on the back burner and i came to realize like well this show is one of the ways that i do that it's funny i had a mentor that was like don't you like get on a microphone every week and talk to other military spouses about your story and like and i was like i mean yeah i do and she was like <laughs> So are you doing what you thought? Like, does it look the way that you thought it was going to when you were going to put it all out in written word? And I was like, well, no. She's like, but are you still doing the thing that you were passionate about doing? And I was like, oh, 100%. And in a way that I never envisioned. I mean, I'm older than both of you on this show. And so like, this was right, not my right. generation's thing. Like, you know, I got a cell phone that set, stayed in my car. Like, <laughs> when I got my first cell phone, like, you know, so to think that written word isn't the only way that I get to do something that I love very deeply, which is being, you know, holy myself with, with my people, like has been really fun. Yeah. I think it's important to like, you know, just kind of know, like to have that intention of like, I want to be with my people and I want to share my story and the way it manifests is not always going to be through the medium you're thinking. Like, you know, I used to journal all the time up until, you know, in these recent years, I started podcasting. I was like, this is a lot easier, <laughs> you know, to just unload. No, I love hearing those perspectives. Thank you so much for sharing. Because I'm one of those writers who's been inactive with writing for so long. I have a degree in writing and yet I haven't really been doing anything in that area for so long. And I didn't fully connect that this podcast was a starting ground for me again until I was maybe midway through like recording some episodes and everything. And just now in this conversation, so... I'm really excited. Yeah, I'm really excited to look back on that time and the writing that I've always done. 
has aimed to capture like the raw emotions that are currently happening at the time. And then kind of looking back with a different lens and, you know, doing a different interpretation essentially. So I do think that there's potential for that later once the deployment is over and going back on those tougher episodes, those tougher times. And like you said, Jenny Lynn, realizing like you're not there anymore. This is amazing that you did this. You got through this as a way to kind of build some confidence. And then also just to, I don't know, bragging rights a little bit too. Like, hey, yeah. <laughs> I got through it. Like, I don't know if you know how hard it was, but <laughs> here it is. I did it. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. And I think having written content or however you document this journey, it's its own reward to know that like you went through that experience. Like you may not get like an actual trophy out of this whole thing, but you're like, I was there. I documented it. That was me. Like that's who I was at that time. And this is a story. As creative people, that's sometimes all we get is like, we, we did, we documented, we did it. We did it properly, properly, you know, in quote, (laughs) um, we, it is, it's a sense of accomplishment. It's chronicling, um, a journey that, you know, in this case, it's only a year long, but it feels feels yeah. like five. So <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, I want to go ahead and I'm sure you mentioned this in your work, but you're the first person to identify as a late career spouse on our show. And I actually think that this is quite common as we sort of talked about offline and yet it's not really talked about. And I'm sure for a number of reasons. So for our listeners, explain to us what it means for you to be a late career spouse. Yeah. So being a late career male spouse is kind of like a microcosm of different definitions. I think first it's that you met your spouse later in your own life and that you also met your spouse later in their career. So there were certain experiences or like cornerstone military moments that you essentially missed. This also means like one of those microcosms is that you're probably not their first marriage either. And and so now it's an additional marriage under their belt, as well as stepchildren are often in the mix. So a lot of the late career male spouses that I find are similar to me in that way. I met my husband later in my twenties. I was on my own career track. I thought it was about to go really well. I was then taken off track, (laughs) which is a common male spouse theme, obviously, but I did have like a certain level of like education to that could probably factor into the definition of being a late career male spouse. Like I had just finished my master's degree, for example, like, and then we met. So yeah, there's a lot that goes into that. But I think what's so interesting is that when I became a spouse, I was sort of grouped in with new military spouses, but I also was nowhere near their age and nowhere near the life experiences that they were having and that I was having. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, there was a difference between the two. So I really tried to spend a lot of time finding those other late career male spouses. And it's not about like slapping that label on them. It's sort of a validation path. It's sort of saying like, well, this is why those instances were really difficult for you. This is why you had such a large learning curve when you entered military life. So I found it to be really helpful. So if you're out there listening and any one of those three things sounds like you, you're probably a late career male spouse. (laughs) 
Yeah. You know, that actually reminds me of a recent interview we did, Amanda Lynn, who's been a guest on our show twice now. Yeah. Okay. We all all know the Helitary spouse. Also two names. What's not to love? Exactly. There you go. Just this whole theme of two. Now I want two names. Two (laughs) persons. But if anything, based on how you described it, I would consider her a late career spouse because, you know, yeah, exactly. And so I want to ask Jenny Lynn, because, you know, you and Matthew really kind of came into the military space a a little late, quote unquote, according to the way you guys sort of describe it. So I want to see if you had any thoughts on this. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I know you guys saw me shaking my head. Like, I can totally relate. And also, I've been with Matthew since his very first duty station. And there's a part of me that feels awkward saying I've been with him his whole career because I didn't do boot camp in A school with him. Like, and then there's a part of me that's like, yeah, but he was really a sailor. Like when he got to his first duty station, we've been together since a month into his first duty station. At the same time, we were old, like by military standards, we were old. I mean, he joined at 24. We met at 25. We got married at 26. And then he transferred from enlisted to officer, which put us in a whole different weird age bracket because (laughs) we were grouped with the young, like, baby O1s and we were 30 like yeah. and had children and all the other O1s were like let's go get a beer and Matthew's like I got a toddler at home like yeah sorry you Not know and for me, right now <laughs> yeah and it like we've always been that weird like we're too young in rank to like hang out with our peers of age but we're too old in years to like hang out with <laughs> with people of his rank and so it's always been a especially for him. I, I mean, I will say that thankfully as a spouse, it tends to be much easier for me to navigate because I'm very grateful that my spouse's experience has not been one where people cared what my husband did or what rank he was. They were just my friends, regardless of whom, whatever rank everybody was. And as more and more we do this show, I realize how lucky I am to have that as part of my story. But, you know, we have always been in that awkward, like we're too old for this, we're too young for that, you know, throw in like 13 years of recovery and some good mental health. And like, we're just a mix. Nobody knows what to do with. I don't even know if I would really classify you as a late career mill spouse. You're something else. You're like, <laughs> you're on a whole other planet. We should figure out what planet that is. Cause there's some overlaps for sure. And it does sound very similar, especially in terms of like your guys' age bracket. Like he was joining very late. You were already in your mid twenties. You got married in your mid twenties. And as we all know, like a, most military couples marry very young and yeah. then like move up in the ranks with their partner. But yeah, I met my husband. He was Oh four. Like he was major, like he was officer status for quite some time. And I had no idea what that meant. So when people would ask me like, Oh, what's his rank? What does he do? I, I sounded so stupid. Like so, so stupid. I can't, I look back on those conversations and I cringe because I'm like, wow, I really didn't have it together. (laughs) But it wasn't his military career that was like attractive to me. It was like him, the human, the person. So yeah, it was a really gigantic learning curve. And I've heard bits and pieces of your story, Jenny Lynn. And that was also a huge learning curve because it was just so much later in life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if it makes you feel any better, Jayla Ray, I met my husband after he served, like well after he served. And it was just so funny how everyone was like, okay, what what did he do? What was his rank? I was like, I don't know. Ask him. Like, I didn't, I didn't like... (laughs) 
marry him for his rank and the way he served and yada 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 right. you know but it's in like, that question is like an embedded assumption that like you did yeah. that like that's why you're together and I was like no I almost didn't date him because I found out he was in the military it's the right. opposite like he gave right. me all of like the red flags it was like I work for the government I'm like what do you really do I'm, <laughs> I'm okay I'm like he's like I'm divorced I have children like all the stuff that you're either okay with or you're not okay with. And I almost walked away. I was almost like, nope, I'm not dating anyone in the military ever again. I'm not doing this because I had before very briefly. I was like, this isn't for me. I don't want to be a mill spouse basically. And then met him and it was all over. I don't, here I am. (laughs) There you are. Very similar like story on that got all the red flags and yet still said yes for reasons passing understanding. Oh gosh, it was all heart led. I don't know what there was because the mind was just not as powerful because like my (laughs) mind would have told me like these are very logical reasons to say no to somebody. But I I mean, what can I say? He was the love of my life. I knew it instantly. It was like this, this feels right. I don't know what I'm going to do for the rest of my life, but we'll figure it out. Well, you know, I think that always reminds me like situations like that, where it seems like you have it all, like logically, it makes sense to not do certain things. And yet your heart tells you to do whatever anyway. And I've learned to believe that any decision is logical and emotional. You know, you can't discount the other. And so I think that despite all the logic, like, yeah, your heart still wanted to make that decision. And so, you know, here you are today as a mill spouse mentor, <laughs> helping fellow military spouses navigate this life with everything that you're going through and, and even being in the trenches and starting this podcast show, what are some things you want to share with our you know, fellow military spouses today, as well as maybe some call to actions that you want to give them? Yeah. So I think we summed this up beautifully in our earlier conversation that if you are in a situation of deployment and feeling as though you can't reach out to somebody, it might be because it's not actually the right person to reach out to. So figure out like who is on your level to have those kinds of those tougher conversations with them. I do have lots of places that you can find me online. And I will say that like, I am very consistent in my DMs because people will reach out and say, Hey, I'm a late career mill spouse as well. Or like, I'm about to become a stepmom or, and those kinds of conversations seriously light me up. So even if you start with like your whole, I don't know, your whole journey and you give it to me in a DM, like we're going to find stuff to talk about. So you can always do that over on Instagram at mill.spouse. You can check out my website at jlaray.com. And then I do have a deployment support kit and it's not like we talked about. It's not from the lens of I completed the deployment. Here's what I learned. It's more of support in those, the time before they are leaving and soon after they have left and what you can do to really support yourself through that time. So you can find that at jlaray.com forward slash deployment kit. And I'm sure Jen and Jenny Lynn will kind of put this in the show notes too. So you don't have to remember this. <laughs> yes. Y'all welcome. I work really hard on those show notes, by the way, people should know. Uh, uh, it's going to do a really it. great job of putting those in the show notes. <laughs> Jenny Lynn's going to look at them when they come out. <laughs> That's my role here. I appreciate you, Jayla Ray, for, you know, sharing all of that. And, you know, again, I imagine this must be like kind of a a cathartic experience to like, not just live it, but even create content for it. And it's like, hey, this is the real deal. Like I am giving this to you all because like, this is what I'm experiencing right now. And if it's helping me, hopefully it can help you as well. So I'm also just 
continuously inspired by members of our military community who continue to create through the mess of this military life. Like, I think that's why I continue to come back and serve and do what I do here on the podcast. Cause it's like, it teaches me that if I'm going through something tough, one of the ways of working through it is to create something, you know, one for myself and then two to share with the world. And, and so thank you, you know, Jayla Ray for being an example of that. And, you know, that's it. That's really all I want to say. I, I was going to like give words of encouragement, but really it's more of me just expressing admiration for you and your resiliency. So kudos. <laughs> thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And that means a lot coming from you guys. So thank you. Yeah. I just really, really love this conversation. It was an excellent way to close out recording on a Tuesday. Thank you so much for showing up authentically and vulnerably yourself. Thank you for having me in this state. No one can see me on camera, but it's not looking good. Let's just put it that way. (laughs) Well, I was telling Jayla Ray offline that her hair looks great. Like she has like this awesome way, like way her hair is like messy, but she tied it up in a way that I think is cute. So anyway, I just wanted that to be on record. I'm so glad that's on record. I'm so glad (laughs) you see it that way because I definitely don't see it that way. I see it as like, dear Lord, you need to shower. Like, what is going on? (laughs) You just need to... Come on, make it happen. Yeah. Jayla Ray, we we are rooting for you. Thank you again so much for joining us. And then to our listeners, thank you all so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Obviously, you can get a hold of Jayla Ray by checking out the show notes of this episode. And all that being said, we'll chat with you in the next episode. Tune in next time. We hope that you enjoyed today's conversation. Get access to our show notes and subscribe to our newsletter by checking out the details of this episode on your preferred podcasting platform or visit our website, holdingdownthefortpodcast.com. And while you're on holdingdownthefortpodcast.com, be sure to follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, or our YouTube channel. If you got a lot of value from today's conversation, kindly leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or leave us a recommendation on our LinkedIn profiles. Thanks for listening. Tune in next time.